0: Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show, Stopping the Run. It was hit and miss in 2021, and if we're being honest, more miss, especially late in the season. We'll do a deep dive on the defensive line. But first, the Super Bowl, or as we're referring to it, the Zach Kerr Revenge Game. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 535, and it starts now.
1: Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigaloo and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki.
0: Four days, MJ. Four days from Super Bowl 56, and four days from the last football game. That's a little troublesome but hey we've got the Bengals and the Rams in Super Bowl 56 let's touch on this matchup and right out of the gate regardless of what you have to say and breaking down this matchup you're not going to sway my mind one bit
1: right off the top Bengals all the way oh I don't disagree with you um at the end of the year, though, um, you know, the, the 14 teams that make the playoffs, um, 13 are going to end their season with a loss. Of course, the Cardinals were part of that early in the uh, process, the wild card round. And then after the Super Bowl, everyone's 0-0 zero and zero again. Um, but I, I, I want to give the Rams credit, uh, unfortunately. See, I understand that, but that's why I can't root for them. I'm I, not rooting for them. I just can't. I'm just saying, like, they, they went all in, um, you know, I, Again, uh, that was the plan from the ownership. Stan Kroenke spent five billion dollars for that stadium. Now we'll see how sustainable it is. Obviously, Sean McVay's making his second appearance in the Super Bowl within the last four years. I think he got a little tight when he played against Belichick. I'm sure he's learned something from that. Um, and obviously, Zach Taylor's done a great job. And you know, you anticipate he's going to get kind con- of a contract extension, which he should. And then you got Joe Cool, Joe 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 Burrow. I mean, a lot of people th- think he's like Joe Montana. So, but anyways, um, yeah, I just, I just think this Rams defense, and in, in clearly, uh, give the Bengals a lot of credit because Joe Burrow really goes through one or two um, uh, progressions, two reads, and then he throws it. So the offensive line doesn't have to hold up for three or four or five seconds. He gets rid of the ball quickly. But as I mentioned on the Red Sea report, I would take their front seven, the Rams, over the receivers. Uh, I hope it's a close game. Uh, I hope it's not a boat race because once you fall behind, all of a sudden they're going to start teeing off regardless of the team. And, you know, Matthew Stafford took him 13 years to win a playoff game, and here he is 60 minutes away from changing that narrative. And they went out and, you know, got a quarterback they thought can win the Super Bowl, not just get him there, and that was Jerichoff you never know if you're ever going to get back again. And that's why the narrative around the Rams
0: and all the moves that they made, not a lot in free agency, but the acquisitions that they made starting with Stafford, that this was the year. Now, you can also make the case with the Bengals, even though you've got a young quarterback, you don't know if you're going to get back again. And I always go back to Dan Marino, the young upstart, gets the Super Bowl second or third year, never gets there again. And you ask him, looking back, I thought I was going to be here every single season. It's not that easy. So, yes, the pressure is on the Rams, but there is pressure on the Bengals because in an instant, they could be done as far as a sustained run. It is very rare in the National Football League to have playoff appearance after playoff appearance after playoff appearance. Yeah, there are a handful of teams that do it, but on a consistent basis, more times than not, That's the exception. That's not the norm in the National Football League. I
1: I don't think there's any pressure on Cincinnati. Uh, Just because they're playing with house money, nobody anticipated them to get here. The fact that they beat a number one seed uh, on the road, Tennessee, and then they go on the road, didn't play very well in the first half, uh, they look at it as a great opportunity. Now, um, again, whether they have experience or not, um, they have a good roster. I, I think they can compete. But I think when you start looking at the division in that conference, I mean, hypothetically, if Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver, you still got Josh Allen, you still got Patrick Mahomes. We'll see if Lamar Jackson comes back, um, Justin Herbert. So you're right. I mean, just because f- for the longest time, it was always Brady, Manning, Ben Rothersberger, Mahomes has one, and then Joe Flacco. So it's wide open in the AFC. But I got to think the. The Chiefs and the Bills are going to be right there knocking on the door. If the Buffalo can get that game at home, maybe it changes. I mean, even though the last couple of years they've gone there and went, you know, went toe to toe and lost. Um, so there's no guarantees, but I do think sustainability in that division. Again, Lamar Jackson is—he's the guy they're willing to pay him forty million dollars. Um, they've made some changes on their coaching staff. They just just hit the reboot button. Steelers are still looking for the quarterback, could go out and get a a veteran guy and then draft one. Cleveland, you know, they're they're kind of just treading water right now. I'm sure they're going to roll out Baker Mayfield. We know he's capable. But I do think Cincinnati could control that division for the next few years. I don't think there's any question that they'll be in the conversation. It's just once you
0: get into the postseason winning Four games, that's
1: really difficult. Well, it, and it's like, can Cincinnati win enough games to be the number one seed? And we know that the number one seed's got knocked out in the second round. So it's not a guarantee. But I just got to think that Buffalo, Kansas City, possibly Denver with that defense. I mean, they can probably win 10, 11, 12 games where Cincinnati in that division, kind of the black and blue division along with the North, um, is the North – they probably they beat each other up like the NFC West. You look
0: at this matchup, and let's touch on the Bengals because they are, I think, I don't know if Cinderella is the right word, but the more time that elapses, and when you have two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, there's always more conversation, more conversation, and all year long it's been the Rams based off Matthew Stafford and acquiring him early in the off season, And now as you get closer and closer to Sunday, I've heard more people nationally talk up the Bengals, and even though on paper the Rams have the better talents and are the favorites, there are a lot of people believe, based off what you said as far as going on the road, Tennessee, going on the road, Kansas City, going on the road. Yeah, the Rams are playing in their own building, SoFi Stadium, even though the Bengals are the quote-unquote home team, that this Bengals team,
1: more people are giving them not just a shot, but are saying, yeah, they can win this ballgame. And the good news is – um, they had to go to Tennessee usually that time of the year. You know, the uh, the turf is not as uh, effective, meaning, you know, they probably let the grass grow a little bit when Derrick Henry comes back. They go to Kansas City. Of course, you probably can't grow grass at this time of the year. And now you're indoors, so there's no elements here. Not that they couldn't handle it. They practice outdoors and stuff like that. They play outside. So, again, it's not like – uh, they're gonna go into a situation where they can't handle the elements. They've handled the elements, and now it's, it's you know, I just think if you fall behind by a couple of possessions, that's where it's gonna get tight for Joe Burrow, which he's handled. Although I, he's, he, I know, he's handled that. They were down, what was it, 21 to three
0: At on the road, time. and then all of a sudden, second half, they flipped the script, and I, I give a lot of credit to that defense as
1: yeah, well. Yeah, no, no doubt, because they shut down Mahomes. I just think the Rams' defense is better than the Chiefs' defense.
0: I'll agree with that especially up front you got to contend with Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey. Those are three all pros, three potential hall of famers if you will.
1: And I like the Chiefs linebackers, you know, they go for sideline to sideline, you know. I would take Jalen Ramsey over Tyron Matthew just more of a box safety. Tyron obviously does a good job in the secondary, but I I just like the Rams defense a little bit better than the Chiefs. That's why I think they're going to be able to put pressure on Burrow. Rams' defense does get after the quarterback, 50 sacks
0: this season. That ranked third. They're also top ten in rushing defense, and everyone focuses on Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and rightfully so. But Joe Mixon had a nice season setting career highs in both rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. And how much will that running game, at least for the Bengals, to try to get some pressure off of Jamar Chase because what he did was phenomenal. I don't remember what was it training camp, preseason, maybe the first couple of weeks of the regular season. Oh, you know he just he can't do it. He's dropping left balls left and right, and what do they do? And they should have drafted that tackle. And now here we are. And <laughs> yeah, you got to address the offensive line, but a rookie receiving record with 1,455 yards, and a rookie postseason record with 279 receiving yards through three games. That's what Jamar Chase did in 2021.
1: Yeah, I got to think he's going to draw Jalen Ramsey. Iron sharpens iron, and they both been talking.
0: I like that matchup too, and that's going to be fun. I hope they get singled out, spotlighted, on the broadcast, and even for those that are going to be at SoFi Stadium, that we see that matchup more times than not.
1: Well, I mean, they're going to have 100 cameras there. so That's true. <laughs> so, you would think one camera is just isolation because sometimes um, they can run the ball or throw it to the other side, and they just want to show he was covered or wasn't he covered. Did somebody miss a pass or somebody to miss a read? So, it'd, it'd be interesting just to see. And I'm sure they're going to have Donald and, you know, and Usually the quarterbacks are isolated when they go to the sidelines because there's just so many cameras going to be there.
0: We also see a lot of Ramsey moving around as far as left, right, slot, outside. And he doesn't travel typically. He hasn't traveled a lot. And you kind of focus on that when you're previewing specific games, whether it's DeAndre Hopkins and Jalen Ramsey. But then you get to game day and you don't see it. And then all of a sudden, all right, how many times do they line up across from one another? I'm real curious – from the Rams standpoint, what they do with Jalen Ramsey because of his ability to move around the football. Yeah,
1: he's 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 kinda like Jamal Adams, but I think he's got more upside. Um, you know, he, he can he can play in the box. Now, just based on the playoff games, Chase usually lines up at that outside spot like Hopkins, like Devontae Adams, like Chris Goddard or Mike Evans. That's kind of your go to guy. So um he would have to be playing that side. I don't I haven't seen enough to where they move him around because they're they're looking for that matchup and if he gets a, he gets past you with one step Burrow's is going to throw the ball up in the air and this guy comes down with it yeah I guess the problem when training camp the ball he thought the ball was a little bit bigger than in college and that's an adjustment and I've heard that whether it's the
0: size
1: or the grip and it's a little slicker and that's just reps and look at him now. Uh-oh. Yeah. Now he doesn't drop anything. I think I saw the stat. He
0: hasn't dropped a ball since like week four or week five or something ridiculous like that. So the narrative, obviously, when you think back of what was written, what was said in September and October, and here we are in February, yeah, it's only been a couple of months, but you can change
1: the conversation around you as an individual and as a team in a heartbeat. I thought what DeMarco Farr told um, uh, the Big Red Rage with Paul and and Wolf that, you know, when he. Stafford had that uh, stretch where he had eight interceptions. I think you know maybe two or three or four pick sixes. He said they went back to the running game with Sony Michelle to kind of just calm things down. And then obviously to the uh, addition of Odell Beckham. We know Cooper Cup. We'll see with the tight ends are, if they're healthy enough there. But and then all of a sudden you know they they're running the football now and that's that's a little bit different before because you just don't want to go in the game trying to throw it 45 times. I mean look at the Rams game. Uh, maybe in, in, in the second round where they didn't have to throw it a Tum, but they were able to force some turnovers and win the game. Rams jumped on the Cardinals early. They jumped on the Buccaneers early. They were unable
0: to do that against the 49ers, but that might just be because of a matchup, and the 49ers always play the Rams well. But Matthew Stafford, and we talked about it leading into that wild card game, 0-3 in his playoff career, and here he is on this run, 3-0, and with one turnover he has passed for at least two touchdowns in each of the three wins so he is stepping up when the spotlight when the lights are brightest and all this pressure although if you talk to him
1: or people close to him it's not the pressure that we think that he is under yeah well that's because he's in a better system in you know as as um, I think it was Drew or even Kyle Vandenbosch on the on the um the Red Sea Report talked just about, you know, the three playoff games that he did play in. All were on the road. Um, and, again, you, you, you know, besides, you know, Calvin Johnson and a couple other players, you know, maybe they had some defensive players. I mean, def- I mean it's difficult. And, you know, Peyton Manning didn't win his first playoff game. I mean, I think his first three years, and then he won in his fourth or fifth year. So that's – it's hard. Um, but I, I think Matthew Stafford has really um, – Exceeded my expectations because, let's be honest, they went all in for him, gave up some uh, assets to trade Jarek off, and, and he's definitely passed the eye test, and now he's, what, one game away from winning the Super Bowl. So, you know, I, I but, but I think he's fitting into the offense, and you could see McVeigh's been a big fan of that. Stafford, Cooper Cup, their connection
0: was instantaneous, and you brought up the tight end position, and it's something that hasn't gotten a lot of talk nationally because it's, It's one of those little details that maybe is more of preview on the weekend and afterwards wondering if the Rams' offense are not as successful. What happens with Tyler Higby? He's got a banged-up knee, but this is a receiver that finished second on the team in catches, third in receiving yards, tied for third in receiving touchdowns. He's been targeted at least six times during this playoff run, but if he is unable to go, then all of a sudden, that obviously affects what the Bengals do defensively because you could put more attention on a Cup or a Van Jefferson. And then all of a sudden, what do you do if you're the Rams? Because one of your weapons, not a big name, but someone that Stafford trusts and will throw to, now all of a sudden is not a part of the offense.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. I didn't have any idea who number 88 was in that game. And they started throwing the ball to him in the second half. Bryson Hopkins, he's huge. He's like he looks like a power forward in in football, and they were throwing to him and he was catching it. And you get that opportunity, what
0: happens? And you lose one. Yeah. Next guy up, plug in, and it works out.
1: And and you can you could look at the other tight end Higby. He's he can block too. I mean he's physical at the line of scrimmage. He can release. Um, if they're going to bring pressure, he just you know it's an easy pass. But eighty eight, wow. I was like, who is this guy? And it's always interesting because. I think it was Tim Smith ran for over 200 yards in in in, in the uh, Super Bowl with the Washington football team at the time, and there's going to be one guy that we're not talking about, and it's it can make one play, and it could be the kicker for the for Cincinnati if it comes down to that. I mean, talk about pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Pressures. He has made every single kick pressure kick in the postseason so far. When you talk to to athletes or coaches, they say pressure is a privilege. To be in that spot, that's all you can ask for is an opportunity. I just hope it's a close game. I really do. Earlier this week
0: here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, you mentioned that offensive line for the Bengals and the Rams pass rush, and you went, you're going to say, Los Angeles Rams, and I don't disagree with you as far as what is the better team, but that matchup, at the line of scrimmage, who has the better protection? Can Joe Burrow stay upright? Is he not sacked nine times? Still got up, but keeping him clean, you'd still believe that is the key overall, the, the biggest key as far as Super Bowl 56 is concerned.
1: Yeah, but I think he's shown that, you know, with one or two reads and get rid of the ball. He, he's not a guy that's – I mean, he has the ability to move the pocket, but he's really a guy – and one thing I noticed um, in the in the conference championship games, we didn't see a lot of quarterbacks go under center. We saw a little bit more from Josh Allen. Just don't tell real, Wolf that. I know. <laughs> every, if you look at every, and Wolf was in the shotgun, and so he's he'll go under center on run plays. But I don't. I mean, but to me, he gets rid of the ball so fast. So I guess you're gonna have to win some one-on-one matchups. And then that's where, when you don't win the matchup, getting to the quarterback, you start to deflect to some balls. You, you, if you could deflect some balls so he can't get that, to that second level. Um, but if he was a guy that's holding onto the ball three and a half, I would say it's, it's going to be a long day. He's going to get sacked again like he did. And there was 11 sacks in that game to negate it. Remember last year's Super Bowl on the fact that Mahomes was harassed,
0: knocked around, pressured, taken off his spot, and was not confused, but – under a lot of duress.
1: That's because they didn't have their right and left tackle.
0: And all of a sudden, this year, it's pretty much the same storyline. What do you do as an offensive line when it's nothing against those five players, but
1: it's a position that they need to address in the offseason, and everyone knows it. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point earlier, though. Um, again, if they have to throw it 40 times, so be it. If That's how you have to win, but between pre grind. Pre-rine and, and Joe Mixon, pre Ryan had a nice touchdown before the half, made it 21-10 versus 21-3. That will slow down that pass rush, and then all of a sudden they get you know do they drop a safety in the box to stop the run? So it's going to be a great uh, cat and mouse chess game between both of the coordinators and the play callers.
0: And as I mentioned earlier, Bird Gang, I cannot root for the Rams within the division you want to see the NFC West do well no I I, I don't buy into that <laughs> at all I don't want to see anyone in the division do well outside the Arizona Cardinals I don't understand people saying that I look at here locally Arizona States and Arizona well come playoff time come the NCAA tournament you want U of A to do well no no they're your rival. You don't want them to do well. I don't care. You want the Pac-12 to do well. No, you want your team and your team only to do well. So I'm not buying this. Well, if the Rams win, then you can say you won a game against the Los Angeles Rams. You split against the Super no, Bowl champions during the No, what you can say season. is we lost to
1: the uh, Super Bowl champions. That means nothing to me. It means okay. absolutely
0: nothing okay. to me. So okay. So
1: that that's that's where I'm. No, listen. From, so. I mean, I, listen. I'm not rooting for the Rams. I'm pulling for Cincinnati. Like I said, at the end, I just want to have a good game.
0: I'll give you another reason to pull for Cincinnati. And this, I love this story. This is awesome, Bird Gang, here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Zach Kerr, Bengals defensive tackle. If a name sounds familiar, it should. He played three games with the Cardinals, weeks 10, 11, and 13. Was inactive during this playoff run for the Arizona Cardinals. Was elevated from the practice squad to the active roster. Didn't play inactive. But Zach Kerr now can avenge that Cardinals wild card loss to the Rams with a performance for the ages uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. So the Zach Kerr revenge game here (laughs) for the Arizona Cardinals. This is fascinating to me because this is only possible because of COVID-19 and the NFL and NFLPA adjusting rules as far as practice squad and what you can do with the practice squad players. And because Zach Kerr was on the practice squad, elevated, and then once the game ended, you lose to the Rams on Monday Night Football. Tuesday morning, he gets reverted back to the practice squad, and the Bengals signed him without hesitation. And he's played. He played later that week. Played Monday. Played Saturday. When the Bengals played the Titans,
1: but was inactive against the Rams. Correct. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Good he- catch. He was parts of the active roster, but inactive on Monday. But then he suited up for the Bengals on that Saturday against the Titans
1: yes because he got it he he was yeah you and i looked it up yesterday um he he wasn't there for the um raiders game obviously the cardinals were playing on that monday that game was at 230 on a saturday yeah let's go zach kerr he almost was able to play twice in the same (laughs) week
0: for two different teams but yeah the good note inactive monday but active saturday and in fact he's played a total of 29 snaps with against the titans and the chiefs so hey if Again, if you're looking for another reason, Zach Kerr, who the Cardinals have had a couple of different times oh, yeah. on the roster over the past several years. So, yes, the Zach Kerr revenge game.
1: And you know what he's doing? He's cashing playoff checks. Yes. It's just, it's just wild. He gets one from the Cardinals, Rams, and he gets two there, and he gets another one, and if you win the Super Bowl, you get a little bit more than the loser. He should do something. You know, we bring that Lombardi trophy
0: back to Arizona and the Arizona Cardinals and, and, and just say thank you for, for all that the Arizona Cardinals did for him to give them this opportunity to make sure I that he was still relevant. I don't want to see any other
1: team's trophy in the facility here, Craig. No, oh, thank- I wasn't saying. Oh, you said back to Arizona. Back to Arizona. Yeah, okay. Just, you know, yeah, okay. As, as a thank you. You know, Yeah.
0: it's the least that he can yeah. do. But I love it. It's just one of those, it's one of those little stories, those little nuggets that you get during Super Bowl week. And because we acknowledge that Zach Kerr was signed by the Bengals, but then okay, that's that seemed like three years ago, <laughs> and then all of a sudden here in mid February, like oh yeah, Zach Kerr. His team was bounced from the playoffs by the Rams. Now he can be the on the team that bounces the Rams and makes their off season miserable.
1: Well, he's got more uh, more games than anybody on that roster. Well, I got to figure when he came back, and but I know he's played at least in maybe the uh, Monday night game. Yeah. Okay. So he's got some history. Um, you know, the Rams. It's interesting, Craig. It, does Whitworth come back? and then they got two free agents i want to say their their center and maybe the right guard or how, yeah they got like three guys that possibly won't be back and of course if they fa- win it
0: doesn't matter they'll find a way to put somebody in there Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, Super Bowl fifty six, Bengals and Rams coming up on Sunday, four thirty on NBC. And it's not a joke as far as this Zach Kerr story is. I'm I, I love it. It's it's the best parts of sports when you have these little nuances these little nuggets that you get and find with respect to the Cincinnati Bengals and Zach Kerr as a defensive tackle kind of leads us into our conversation here talking about the Cardinals defensive line overall and what they have on the roster and what they might need moving forward because and again this is not solely on the defensive line but when you look at this team's weakness defensively stopping the run occasionally they were able to do it Sometimes, but more times than not, especially late, there was a lot of leakage when it came to stopping the run. And the first line of defense is that defensive line.
1: Yeah, and, and to me, when he, we'll go, to go through the, uh, you know, who's under contract and all that other stuff, but um, there were flashes. Um, there was a game, it seemed like every game, there was one drive where they're getting gashed. Um, but again, when you're putting up 400 yards and 30 points, it gets overlooked and didn't really come back to haunt them until the second half of the season. You look at what the running backs did that first half
0: of the season, going into week eight against the Green Bay Packers. We were all surprised. I I was going to say stunned, but not stunned. Surprised on how well the Cardinals defended Derrick Henry week one. 17 carries, 58 yards. Cardinals got a lead, forcing Ryan Tannehill to throw the football. We know what happened there. But Dalvin Cook... 131 yards. Cardinals beat the Vikings. James Robinson, 88 yards rushing. Cardinals beat the Jaguars. Daryl Henderson, 89 yards. Cardinals beat the Rams. Kareem Hunt, 66 yards. Cardinals beat the Browns. So not a lot of yards. Only Cook went over 100 yards rushing, but he only had 35 in that second half. So those first seven games, to your point, MJ, you're scoring 30 points, 400 yards of offense, and – The rush defense, I wouldn't say overlooked, but we didn't pay a lot of attention to it.
1: And they're unbeaten on the road until they lose to the Lions, and they're forcing, like, at the end, I think at the end of the year, even before the the playoff game against the Rams, I think they had 21 turnovers, 18, and a plus. yeah, but you go back to the Packers game, no Devontae Adams, and they got gashed by A.J. A- Dillon and and Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, I mean, I think he caught seven passes for like 54 yards. It 51 was yards. 51 yards. I mean, it. yeah, so um, – and, again, they still had a chance to win at the end. Jones and Dillon
0: combined, as far as rushing yards are concerned, 137. Now, neither went over that 100-yard mark. Jones did have over 100 yards as far as total yards with his receiving yards. And then after week eight, that last back end of the regular season, Christian McCaffrey, 95 yards, David Montgomery, 90 yards, Sony Michelle 79 yards, and then the final four games of the regular season. And this is where we kind of pinpoint not where things went wrong defensively, but the inability to stop the run did not allow this Cardinals team to kind of reset and get the defense off the football field and Kyla Murray and company on the football field. Craig Reynolds, 112 yards rushing. Jonathan Taylor, 108 yards rushing. They did slow down Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys, but then week 18, Seattle, Rashad Penny, 190 rushing yards. So four times this season, the Cardinals defense allowed a 100-yard rusher. Three times, and the last four weeks of the regular season, yeah,
1: there was leakage there, and and when they were winning, they were playing complementary football, and and all of a sudden, the Cardinals' um, defense um, was giving up these big plays. So it was kind of pick your poison. We we talked about how, how in those last five games, how many touchdowns they gave up, and a lot of guys were wide open. And Coach talked about it. Vance talked about it. Just it couldn't stop the bleeding, um, because you know. People don't want to talk about it, but, you know, the Malcolm Butler, they signed him to be a number one corner. He obviously didn't like the fact that he wasn't getting reps. I'm assuming when they signed him, he said, you're going to be a starter. But to me, if you, if you have Malcolm Butler, and again, I wasn't bringing this up during the season, but I, if you want to take a deep dive and look back at the season, well, maybe you don't have to play Marco Wilson every single snap. And then you, you a healthy Robert Alford, you got some veteran guys there, and Murphy, so you're not relying on a rookie, even though – he looked the part in training camp, but he could have been your slot guy. He could have been your rotation guy instead of Antonio Hamilton or Borders. Um, but yeah, but it, but it all starts up front. And when you're getting gashed now, all of, a, all of a sudden, you know, it's third and one, third and two. Yeah, they may run it, but you can do a pop pass to where, hey, listen, we're gonna we're gonna move the chains here and put those guys on their heels versus their toes.
0: And again, it doesn't all point to the defensive line, but that's where it starts point of attack the line of scrimmage you've got to be able to stop a running back from getting to the third level hard to stop them from getting to the second level but keep them under five yards to carry and late in the season cardinals defense not doing that which opens up the entire playbook for a quarterback in the offense as far as we're looking at third and four as opposed to third and eight plus
1: yeah I, I, and I don't, I don't mean to single these two guys out it was just when you look at bortles um Again, he was he, he was brought on late. Um, he was thrown in the in the mix because of injuries, and he missed the call. And so that was the Tyler Lockett touchdown. And then you look at the the Canard play. Um, he took a bad angle, and Penny runs for what sixty two or sixty eight yards, sixty six yards. Sixty six. Okay, yeah. So he shouldn't have had one hundred ninety. I mean, that's but that's ten guys doing their job. And again, I'm bored to me, that was a lot to ask for a guy that just got here. I mean, it's. It, We know that Chase Whitaker's on the roster because he's had a ton of reps. We know Kevin Peterson's on the roster because he's had a ton of reps. And that's what it is. Next man up, well, didn't go well. Overall, the Cardinals ranked 20th in rushing
0: yards allowed per game, almost 115 yards per game, 99 yards allowed in wins, 143 yards allowed in losses. Again, not all on the defensive line, but it points to being able to slow down an opposing team's running game. Doesn't need to stop it, but slow them down so there is some predictability for Vance Joseph to call what he wants to do and be aggressive on second and third down.
1: Yeah, and Vance is a big fan of first and second down. But if they're sitting there you know, at third and and ten, well, it's a passing down. If they're sitting there at third and two, they can do anything. They can throw a slant pass. They can take, a, you know, if it, it, let's say they're at the, you know, the forty to the forty, and they're going to go for it on fourth down, two down territory. They don't have to run it, and that's where you have to get them on. You have to limit them on first and second down. So now they're in third and long, where you can start teeing off, and maybe you could bring that NASCAR package in.
0: And then you go do yards per play, rushing yards yes. per play allowed, four point six. That's not a strong number. Twenty sixth and the league, but it is identical to what this defense finished a year ago. So 4.6, you're running. That's You got half of the 10 yards that you need to gain a first down on the first play of, a, of that particular series. So that's where you get into winning on first down to set up being a little bit more aggressive on third down. So, yeah, we hear it all the time each week, stop the run, contain the run, to make that offense one dimensional. And in the second half of the regular season, Cardinals did not do that.
1: No. And we're starting to see teams, you know, probably throw the ball 70% of the time and run it. Two things you got to do A, you got to score points, but you got to be able to defend the pass now. I mean, we talk about stopping the run. The way these teams are spreading teams out and the, the way the quarterback positions, you know, it would with these young quarterbacks and these veteran quarterbacks like Stafford and, you know, Garoppolo when he was in there. and um, Yeah, stopping them runs, great. But you got to get them off the field on third down. But now it's become a passing league, like 70 to 30, and then you have to be able to defend a pass. And based on our conversation the other day about the defensive backs, um, they ever given up a lot of yards. Now, you got a stat here it says third fewest rushing touchdowns. Well, I wonder how many passing touchdowns they gave up. Gave up 30 Passing touchdowns, ten rushing touchdowns, and they made some stops on the goal line, and they forced some teams to kick field goals. But a lot of those, a lot of those big plays were, the Tyler Lockett was a touchdown, the Penny run was a touchdown. So it, it kind of, and that was a, yeah. But thirty, and and during the season, the Cardinals were in the top five. They were giving up like maybe a hundred and sixty yards through the air, and it wasn't and it, it was you can live with that. Where you're and again, if they were giving up 145 yards on the ground, because you look at the yards per carry, they were only giving up like 115 and 120. So it wasn't like it was a, it was a, um, a nail in the coffin or Achilles' heel. It was just they couldn't overcome it when they fell down. Cardinals certainly fell need, behind. I should say
0: certainly need to address defensive line. But let's take a look at what they have that we know will be on the roster for next season. Seven players under contract, two unrestricted free agents. J.J. Watt, Jordan Phillips, Zach Allen, Leckie Foto, Rashard Lawrence, Matt Dickerson signed a futures deal, and Michael Dogby, a restricted free agent. I fully expect Dogby to be on this roster next season. Those are the seven players as we speak here mid-February that we know because they're under contract. J.J. Watt going into his second season, Jordan Phillips going into his third season, Zach Allen, Leckie Foto, Rashard Lawrence, those three I think took a step Forward this past season, Zach Allen, a gigantic leap compared to Two and Lawrence. But you do want to see more from Two and Lawrence if they're healthy. And that's been the issue
1: with Rashard Lawrence. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. No. Uh, He started seven games, played in 11, missed six games with a calf injury. Same injury last year, limited him to nine games. Yeah. And to me, he's got more upside than lucky. He's a guy that can play nose tackle. You can can line him up as a defensive end in a 3-4. And Lucky is just a run-stuffer. That's what he is, 6'5", 335 pounds, as he pointed out. Um, played the second most defensive staff among, among linemen, and that's because he was able to be active every single game. So we've got to get more out of Richard Lawrence. Um, Jordan Phillips gave this team a spark, but when I look at his first two years here, I, I don't see how you bring him back. And, and obviously they're going to have to figure that out because obviously they're going to be some dead money involved. But I... I'm ready to move on from Jordan Phillips. I just I wanted to see more, and you know, uh, Vance had him with him, was in Miami with him. He had one good year in Buffalo. They had a really good defense. They had some good linebackers there. Obviously, some good safeties. Um, but I, I I needed more from Jordan Phillips. So we'll have to wait and see what they decide to do with him. Being healthy certainly
0: kept Jordan Phillips out of a lot of people's minds, just because this past season. I mean, he was MIA. Start of the year on IR with a back injury, ended the season with a knee injury, although he did play in the postseason. But nine games in each of his first two seasons with the Cardinals. And in those two seasons, five sacks, 33 tackles, four tackles for loss, seven quarterback hits. You compare that to his 2019 season with the Bills, contract year going into free agency. Ding, ding, ding. Nine and a half sacks. 31 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, 16 quarterback hits. And I remember the conversation when the Cardinals signed Jordan Phillips. You look at that number, nine and a half sacks. Most sacks for an interior defensive lineman outside of Aaron Donald. And you're like, wow, there's that pressure
1: up the middle. We just haven't seen it in two seasons here with the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, those are Aaron Donald numbers right there. I mean, you can probably more tackle for losses just because he's in the back for more quarterback hits. But from an interior lineman to get nine and a half sacks, that that's not sustainable. But getting tackles for losses, affecting the quarterback,
0: that can be sustainable. That I think
1: the well, Cardinals were expecting to more. To me, of. if he was healthy, I mean, he's a huge guy. Where's number 97? He's huge. To me, that would have opened up things for J.J. Watt, Zach Allen, um, even your outside rushers, because, I mean, he could push the pile. He's got long arms. He's got he's, he's huge. I mean, he's 6'6", 341 pounds, and I just didn't see that week in and week out. And, and, and it's hard to judge a guy that's dealing with injuries, especially a back injury. We don't know how that affects any, any person or player when it comes to football. It's, it's a physical sport, but I just think if he could have just not so much sacks, just allowed other guys around him to make plays where he's not so much getting double teamed but maybe he's facing one of the better guards or tackles or sliding protection and that would have freed up some of these linebackers to shoot the gaps and make tackles in the backfield just didn't see a consistency and consistent enough so you look at defensive tackle someone to affect the interior of an
0: offensive line and maybe that's free agency Hakeem Hicks Malik Collins, Sebastian Joseph Day of the Los Angeles Rams, D.J. Jones of the 49ers. Those are some of the free agents out there as far as draft prospects. At number 23, if you think you've got a defensive tackle, that can be someone that you can not build around, but that could be here for a long term. DeMarvin Leal, Jordan Davis, Logan Hall out of Houston, Devontae Wyatt from Georgia. I mean, I don't know how they rank as far as, you know, your top 120 board. Sure, But defensive tackle, certainly whoever falls – how I that like,
1: boy I, plays I, out. I like Winfrey from Oklahoma. He played really well at the senior bowl. And I, again, I'm with you. I mean, you start looking at the list, I think they got to address the interior offensive line. Tackles I think, you know, obviously Beecham's getting up there in age, but we'll see what they do. They, they do have some backups there. I, I would address the interior offensive line and the interior defensive line. And oh, by the way, i got a address the outside linebacker position because possibly you could lose Chandler Jones. So that's three right there. And then and then I need a corner. I need a tight end. And I probably need another wide receiver. Now, uh, they may have seven to nine picks if, depending on the compensatory picks that are announced. Um, you're picking 23rd. Um, I, I think they have a pick in every round if I'm not mistaken. Is there a pick that they gave up for Ertz? Yes, yes, they did. So okay. they lose that one. Okay, that's okay. But for the most part, um, and a lot of times you just go best available player. Now, if somebody's on the board that wants to move up to get that fifth-year option, doesn't happen as much. I, I would think Steve would consider moving down to get a, another third-round pick because that, to me, that's where you got to make your hay. First-round picks are a crapshoot. Um, second, third, and fourth. Those kind of your meat and potatoes of the draft. So, um, but again, there's enough areas. And like any team, we got to wait for free agency to see some of these holes they fill. Now, we know that they're going to have to make some roster moves by cutting players, asking players to take pay cuts. Um, But I was told they have a plan, and we'll just have to wait and see. So, what they don't do in free agency can lead to what they want to do in the draft. And maybe they could just take the best available player and start stacking interior linemen, cornerbacks, pass rushers, because, you know, after Marcus Golden and Dennis Gardeck, there's not a lot of meat on that bone. And I don't I and I don't see Connard coming back. I just I think we know what he is. Um I give him a lot of credit. He worked hard. Um you would have thought he'd get more playing time. I thought he did a good job setting the edge his first year here. Um, that's just me thinking out loud, but I don't. I know he's not part of the D-line, but they're going to have to make some changes on that side of the ball. A couple of bright spots for that defensive line, and I
0: think we'd give J.J. Watt an incomplete because seven games, and yeah, it was a great comeback story against the Los Angeles Rams in the wild card game, but you wanted to see more out of J.J. Watt and see him healthy. So going into year two, Let's see J.J. Watt on the field each and every week. But when you look at Zach Allen, and I'll throw another name out there, Michael Dogby, who, yes, is a restricted free agent, but in looking at what he did compared to everyone else on that defensive line, he played all 16 games, or played 16 games. But he finished second behind Zach Allen for the most tackles among linemen. That surprised me. Michael Dogby doesn't get talked a lot about. 2019 seventh-round pick. He's kind of stuck around. They like what he has, what he's capable of. Not saying he's an answer on that defensive line, but I could certainly see, depending on what happens, free agency or who's not here that we expect, at least on paper because they're under contract. But Michael Dogby could be someone that has earned more playing time this coming season.
1: No, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, 6'3", 280. He's gotten a lot stronger. Um he, to me, he's a perfect rotation guy. Now, could he become a starter down the road? Sure. Um, but right now, you know, you, you got your J.J. Watt, and they're going to have to replace, if they decide to go in a different direction, you're going to have to replace Jordan Phillips. Is that guy on the roster? Do you move Zach Allen back over there? And then you got J.J. Watt possibly as a nose or a three technique, and then you figure out who's on the left side. Because Zach Allen, to me, is part of the – we we when we talk pass rushers, we've got to include him too because he can get to the quarterback. Now, again – Playing line, you're probably not going to get 10 sacks, but 5-7, to seven, that's a lot more than Jordan Phillips got over a two-year span. And the key with Allen this past
0: season, he was healthy. First time in his career, he did not miss a game due to injury. Now, he did miss a couple of games because he tested positive for COVID-19, but when he was on the football field, he was effective. Set career highs in tackles, tackles for loss, sacks, quarterback hits, passes, defense, fumble fumble recoveries. So very capable Zach Allen in year three, and a piece on that defensive line, not more snaps because he played a lot of snaps, but maybe now more impact plays. Be top of mind. Let's hear his name called by Dave Pasch and Ron Wolfley on the broadcast. Yeah,
1: I mean, if you look at it on paper, of course this is where you are in the offseason. I mean, the Cardinals could line up this week. Zach Allen on the right side. Rashard Lawrence, he was starter in week one against the Titans. I think – maybe because Corey Peters was coming off the injury and you kind of want to ease him back in there. And then you got you got J.J. Um, Watt. So now you now you got to – usually you address six or seven on game day. You probably bring nine to 12 to camp. But, again, it's a position where they need to address, whether it's in free agency or the draft. Add another, um, you know, a B-plus player there to add some more rotation and depth to that. But right now they could line up those three guys, and I would put Zach Allen as an outside right – uh, defensive end you brought up Corey Peters he's one of the two unrestricted free
0: agents the other one is Jack Crawford everyone's going who well he spent the entire <laughs> season on injured reserve after getting hurt in training camp but Corey Peters one of those veteran presents, and we talked about Peters a year ago at this time hey we'd love to see him come back because of his leadership how loud his voice is when he speaks people listen Corey Peters, 14 games played, missed three games because he tested positive for COVID-19, but still very capable at a quote-unquote young age in his 30s. But that might be someone that we see late in the off-season because I do think he wants to continue playing, likes it here, has found a home here in Arizona. And if you can find a way to make it work, yeah, bring back Corey Peters.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. There's a couple of guys like that. I I think uh, Max Williams, Corey Peters, Robert Alford. You know, I I would load it up where you have to be active on game day. That really starts at forty six thousand five hundred. So if you play seventeen or fifteen games, that's another six or seven hundred thousand dollars. But I would think those guys would be minimum deals with incentives. I would definitely do it. And the, the three guys I mentioned: Alford, Max Williams, and Corey Peters. Love Corey Peters and what he means, not only on the field, but off the field as well. Well, and you pointed out 33% of the snaps, and you you mentioned that he missed three games. I mean, that's normal to me. I mean, maybe two years ago, it's 40%, but that's what they want to do. They want to get a rotation there. Now, obviously, you know, if it's games tight in the fourth quarter, you want to have the J.J. Watts on the field. You want to have the Corey Peters on the field, possibly Lawrence or Lucky Foto and Zach Allen. So um, that's That's, you know, for his age, that's probably what they anticipated. Cardinals' defensive line has pieces. I
0: think more pieces need to be added to really make that defensive line more effective, especially as we talk about it when it comes to stopping the run. You don't really need that defensive line to record sacks. And when we talk about guys within this defense with their hand in the dirts, I know there are defensive ends free agents in the draft that are listed as defensive end that get to the quarterback. But within this defense, this 3-4 defense that Vance Joseph wants to run, I don't think you're looking for that defensive end to get to the quarterback to get sacks, looking to affect the quarterback but not get home all the time. You're looking for that defensive end to occupy someone to allow an outside linebacker to rush.
1: Well, let's go back to that Houston game where they were basically just playing for pride, name in the back of their jersey malik collins he was in the backfield a ton of you know and he, cardinals end up winning that game 31 to 5 but the way the first quarter went, you're like oh boy don't be the first team and so i and i love the age there um, 26 yeah i mean he was splitting double teams um you know Akeem hicks he's a great player um you know he benefited from like any other player from Robert Quinn, getting to the quarterback, but he was a big fixture for that Bears defense. Unfortunately, he just couldn't put enough points on the board. Um, Jones is intriguing to me. Anytime you take a guy in the division, um, yeah, I mean, there's some good names out there. Just like anything else, 26-year-old guys, they're the prime free agents, but they're probably going to want more money than a a guy like Akeem Hicks at 32 or Linville Joseph at 33. Um, All the guys you mentioned – 26 26 26 that's that's the prime for a free agent when it comes to giving deals out for more than just one or two years well let's
0: bring it full circle here on cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals we began talking about super bowl 56 and the bengals and rams well the bengals bj hill 26 years old and has really flourished in that bengals defense free agent to be. Maybe you do some scouting on Sunday, Bergang. And Sebastian Joseph Day, 26 for the Rams on that defensive line. So two players potentially that the Cardinals might have an eye on. Again, this is just you and I, MJ, speculating and talking and looking at lists, figuring it out. I know nothing about free agency plans
1: for the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, n- nobody does unless you're in the building upstairs. Exactly. No, You could know, work here. You're not going to hear anything. It's just how it works. But you know, I think Trey Hendrickson is, is, uh, B.J. Hill has benefited from Trey Hendrickson. You you got to have great players around you, and Sebastian Joseph Day he's benefited from a guy like Aaron Donald. But that's the idea. You get a stud like that, and you got some plug and play guys, and all of a sudden they're going to become household names. And hopefully the Cardinals find
0: one of those household names this coming season with respect to the defensive line. And, yes, the Cardinals have a lot of needs. MJ, you chronicled it, and we'll continue to talk about it as we get closer and closer to free agency and then, obviously, the draft coming up in late April. All right, before we call it a day here, MJ, I need a score. I know your prediction is the Los Angeles Rams, and I'm not going to argue with that. I I hope it doesn't happen, but based off of what we've seen, based off what we see on paper, the Los Angeles Rams are the better team. But I need a score from you here, thirty-one twenty. Okay, so two possessions. Okay, that's close enough to keep me interested in the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm gonna hope it's even closer than that, and the score is reversed. Bengals with the
1: oh, uh, lead I, and I, the lead. I, I would sign up for that right now. Where, where do I go to sign up for that? Just right here on the show. Yeah, right now. Well, we'll make it happen. Okay, so Thursday, normally it happens on a Saturday night. NFL honors. Uh, I don't know if um, uh, if uh, Jonathan Ward's going to be up for the play of the year. Probably not. Didn't get a lot of love there like last year. So let's start with MVP.
0: Aaron Rodgers, although I'd like to see Tom Brady win it. Selfish reason. I agree. Aaron Rodgers. Offensive and defensive players of the year.
1: Offense, Cooper Cup. Yep. Defense, T.J. Watt. I agree with you on there.
0: All right. Rookies. Offense, defensive rookies of the year. And I think, again, we're going to see one on Sunday. Jamar Chase, without question, as far as offensive rookie Jamar of
1: Chase and Micah Parsons. Yeah, that, 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 that
0: might be the easiest
1: decisions <laughs> we've ever had when it comes to rookies. All right, comeback player of the year. Two names. I'm going Joe Burrow, but I also would consider Dak Prescott. Okay, I can understand that. Both coming back from devastating injuries. Coach.
0: Of the year, and this is something that I think every single coach at one point in the twenty twenty one regular season was named Coach of the Year for that particular week. But Coach of the Year, Mike Vrabel. Okay, even though his team did not advance, but it's a regular season award. Amen. And they were a number one seed, missing for a lot of that. No Derrick Henry.
1: Amen. Now, if you want to vote now, Zach Taylor. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. What happens yes. when you get to the playoffs and you're three exactly. zero and you're playing the Super Bowl?
0: Mike Vrabel. Difference between regular season and postseason. All right, we'll see how we did when we reconvene here well, hopefully, and discuss the Super Bowl. As well,
1: hopefully we, Jamar Chase and Micah Parsons. So I think we're going to be two for two there. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to win. I think T.J. Watt's going to win. Now, Jonathan Taylor. There's a lot of talk about him. But how they finish? Amen. And that's that's what I'm we going, talk about. And when you when you win the triple crown in football, that's receiving co- triple crown. Yeah, yeah. That's Cooper Cup